you haven't listened to the previous episode, 48, leading up to my sex assault, you probably need to go back and listen to that to know exactly what's happening. So I'm just going to jump back into it. We left off. Stephanie had died, and I was at the viewing before the funeral. And I was just about to try to look into the casket to see if Ali had actually purchased a $10,000 ring for her like he said he was going to do. So I went, it was an open casket. The lower half of the casket's closed. The upper half is open. Right. And so I went up to the casket. And I was trying to look without having someone say, oh, how did you know Stephanie? <laughs> right. Like, oh, like her hands were like right under where that's closed. And I couldn't, I couldn't see. I, I was trying so hard to, to see without being like creepy. Like, yeah, that oh, is I creepy. I wanted to know so bad. Like, and, and Ali was there at the funeral. Oh, he was? I saw him. Yeah, but I didn't want to be associated no. with him. No, I no, didn't. no. Should I leave the funeral? I'm thinking that's done. Now his case is dismissed. That's over. Like he's no longer technically my client anymore. Uh-huh. And he would call like every couple weeks and like, Pamela, I can't talk to anyone else about this because my family didn't know how I knew her, that I was in love with her, what was happening. You're the only person I can talk to. And her family is distraught. They're angry. Oh man, I'm like, I'm so sorry. And he would call crying like, I don't know what to do. So I would tell him like, go for a walk. Go Mm -hmm. listen to happy music. Go, like, the things Mm -hmm. that I do. I'm like, at the time, I'd play tennis. I knew he wouldn't rollerblade, but... Right, right. (laughs) I'm like, go, like, do something physical. That's dangerous for me. Right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then I wouldn't hear from him for a while, and so time passes. I'd hear from him again, like, about every month or so, I'd get a call. Pamela, I'm so sad, and he'd be crying, and I, I miss Stephanie so much. I don't know what to do, and... I'm really sorry. You're going to get through this. This will pass. Right. I know it doesn't right. seem like it. But. Right. And then in June, I get a call from him, and he's like, Pamela, please, like, I, I don't have anyone else to talk to about this. Please, can you just, can you meet me for lunch? I just need to talk to someone that can listen. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do that. So I met him for lunch, and we met at some point place I'd never been before, Chinese place. We ordered our lunch. I ate my food and he cried through the whole lunch. Is it daytime or nighttime? It's daytime. It's lunchtime. Okay. Okay. And he cried the whole time. Didn't even eat. Like he was crying so much. He literally, I don't even know if he took one bite of food. Okay. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And he was like distraught. I've lost my wife. Now I lost Stephanie and it's our fault, his fault, my fault. I'm like, no, Man, I she don't want to say charges. Yeah. She pressed right. charges. You uh, guys kept breaking the rules. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I just tell him the same thing I've always told him. Go for a walk. It's, it will pass. It will pass. You'll get through right. this. I said, look, you dealt with your wife's death. How can this be harder? Oh, it just is. I wasn't ready for this. I wasn't, my wife was dying of cancer. I had a, I knew that was coming. And right. Right. I mean, after lunch, we, we left the restaurant, walked out to my car. He walked me to my car. I mean, it was just a small place, so our cars sure. were right there. And I gave him a hug and said, hey, I'm really sorry. Good luck. You'll get through this. You'll be okay. And I didn't hear from him for a few weeks, and I thought, man, that's great news. Because <laughs> right, he must right. be doing he's, better. Yeah, he's healing or something. Yes. So then in July, I get, like the middle of July, end of July, I get another phone call. Pamela, I'm just so sad. I think I'm getting more depressed. I'm like, you got to move your body. You got to do something. You can't just sit around and be depressed. Right. And I said, look, you're buying a business. This guy owned some big businesses. I'm not going to say what businesses they are because everyone in Utah would know them. Okay. And I said, look, you're buying this big business, a big franchise of a very large business. Okay. I said, you're buying this, like, focus on that. Focus on creating something that will help to give you a purpose. Right. Need, right. And he's like, oh, like my company just runs by itself. Like, I don't even have to do anything. And, and I said, look, do you listen to positive music? Do you, like, that will help. And, right. and he's like, no, I don't really listen to music. And so I said, look, I've got a gospel CD that I made. A lot of people say that that comforts them. 
Next time I go past that business, I will go in and drop off a, one of my gospel CDs and listen to that and mm-hmm. like think of positive, like you got to change your focus. Right. And I said, maybe that will help. So I don't hear again for a few weeks. Then it's the end of August. I'm up at Bear Lake on the Utah-Idaho border with my family and friends and we're out boating and having a great time and I come in and on my phone there's another message from Ali. I listen to the message and it is the darkest, most depressing message I've ever gotten from him. And he says, I tried to kill myself. I was in the hospital. I don't want to live anymore. I can't live like this. I don't want to live like this. He's really feeling like he's lost, like, two wives, like, basically. Like, two loves of his life. Right. Wow. Yes. And he's like, please help me. I don't want to live. Please call me. So I step away, call him back, and I listen to him. He's really, oh, man, like, so depressed. And he said, could, could I, would you just meet me for lunch or something? Like, that really helped me last when we met. And I said, you know what? I've got a prep for trial next week, and then I'm in trial for a week. I really don't, I, I don't have time. But, right. yeah, let me see what I can do. Like, you really need to talk to someone, Ollie. Like, right. don't Get you have a counselor? counselor? I said, yeah, right. I have a counselor, but it's just not working. I'm, I, I'm getting more depressed. And I'm saying it with way more energy than he was. Because you know when someone's depressed, they're like, uh, like yeah, no energy. Yeah, so dug down. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's how he was, and I was like, oh, okay, well, hang in there. I got to go. And I remember thinking, like, man, he could die before I even have a chance to check on him again. And I have had three clients that have committed suicide, so I take it very seriously. Right. And but so are you feeling, but in this situation, the other lady died, and he's blaming you, and you have that same guilt. So do you feel like you're even more hyper aware of him? Because of the situation? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. No question. I'm still, I know logically it doesn't make sense, but I had a really hard time telling that to my heart. Right. Right. Emotionally, I was still, Mm -hmm. even though it shouldn't, but it's in my head. Right. It was fine. In my heart, I was like, oh, I have some responsibility. Did I do this? Did I do this? Yeah. Did I do the right thing? Right. Right. Exactly. So it was really like 10 days later. And he reached out again and said, hey, I haven't heard from you. Please, can we do lunch? Uh, I didn't have time to do lunch. I was in trial. I said, I'm in trial. So I'm busy every day. And so now it's like early September. And I'm like, you know what? I could meet you after court. Let me get home from court, change clothes. We can meet at a public place for dinner. And I'll meet and talk to you. Because remember, in June, I did that and it was helpful so yeah well it worked right yeah and at the time I was dating a couple guys and they knew of course (laughs) of course (laughs) and and they both knew I was dating like a couple people they knew I was dating someone else but whatever and I talked to each of them said hey this client they were aware of the situation because I'd been through some real emotional trauma of feeling guilty about all this and of course how could you not right yeah, so I shared that. So, and I said, hey, I'm going to meet him for dinner. It was a Thursday night. And they said, okay, are you going to be safe? And I'm like, are you, are you kidding? It's at a public place. Plus, who's going to mess with me? Like, right. Hello. I am so, hello. I am super girl. Hello, I'm so tough. Tinkerbell. <laughs> yes. This little so, tiny thing. But hey, you know, you might, you might be pecking. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Yeah, exactly. So I get to the restaurant. When I get there to park, is what, I was meeting at Market Street Grill, which is a very popular restaurant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very busy. And I chose that on purpose. It was right, right downtown. Right. Not far from my home. And Easy like, literally to get like in and out. Half right. a mile from my house. And mm-hmm. so when I pulled in, they have parking to the side and behind the restaurant. And I mean, it's right downtown in Salt Lake City. So parking in like any other city is it like prime Uh yeah i have a choice like i can park right by the restaurant for it was seven dollars and you had to have exact change to put in those stupid hole things oh yes or or you can put more than seven i had a ten dollar bill or i could park 
behind these other restaurants on that same street, like behind the restaurants. Right. And that was only $2. Well, mm-hmm. I had in cash, I had a 10 and $2 bills on me. Okay. So instead of, and I know this seems very, very detailed, but this becomes very significant to me later. Right. Right. So I could either pay 10 bucks and park not clothes. get change back or, right. yeah, or I could park just a little farther away and pay the two bucks. So I did the two bucks and I get into the restaurant. I have these longer leather shorts on, suede leather, suede, okay. and a cream colored turtleneck and a cream colored jacket because I'd worn okay. the turtleneck and jacket to court and I'd had a skirt on for court. So gotcha. I just changed the skirt to the suede shorts. Okay. And he and I get there. He has a suit on, like a very nice suit. It looked like a very expensive suit. We get seated, and the waiter comes over to take our menu. And you know, I'm a little uncomfortable. I've only truly think about it. I've seen this guy like three times in person. Right. This is the fourth time I've only ever right. seen him in person. And the waiter comes over to take our order. It's my pet peeve when I've been a waitress. I just I do not like it when people are unkind to anyone and especially if they're unkind to someone that is in a position of less power than them i agree i I hate it it makes me mad i Mm -hmm. i don't like it at all and he was treating our waiter very disrespectfully i thought okay like he ordered he's like i want this kind of fish and and the waiter's like well we and i said i want it prepared special i want it like this and this like really just kind of being a just demanding yeah Mm -hmm. yeah very very demanding and then he said what are the vegetables that go with this and the waiter goes through all the vegetables and he said no i don't want any of those and and then he says dude then don't have any right and he said yeah I want asparagus. Do you have asparagus? And the waiter says, yeah, we have asparagus, but that would be an extra charge to, to have asparagus instead of the vegetable that it right. comes with. And he like flips like very flippantly with his hand. Like, oh, I don't care. Like I have so much money. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. Like just get my order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. And I was thinking, you know, this was this You're a like, jerk. kind of arrogant this isn't the guy that I had lunch with that was like crying the whole time. That guy was mm-hmm. like really humble and right. sad. Like this guy's not that guy. Like, no, this, no, it just felt different. I just noticed this is a different energy. Right. And then, it, so we're sitting, he has his, his elbows on the table and I notice he has these three rings on. Granted, I've only seen him three other times in person. Right. The first day at court at the funeral, which I saw him from afar. And then that lunch in June. This is the fourth time I've ever seen him. But those other three times, I guarantee you, he didn't have those three gaudy rings on. They were like big, gaudy looking things. Almost like a Super Bowl ring. You know how how big they are? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was so odd that I was like, what? What are those rings? And he had his hands on the table. So, like, you can't help but see them. I was like, man... Uh, what are those rings? I've never seen you wear those rings. And he said, oh, these are my black belt rings. And I was like, oh, really? And he said, yeah, like when I was a kid, I grew up in Iran and all this is in his Middle Eastern accent. Okay. He said, growing up in Iran, we did martial arts and for each degree of black belt, they would give you one of these rings. So he's a third degree black belt because he had three rings. Right. Wow. Yep. Okay. No, I said, oh, I didn't know that about you. Yeah. And he was going on about it. And I said, well, you know, those are so gaudy. Like, I wouldn't be getting in a fight with those rings on because that'd be almost like having brass knuckles. They're so big. Right. And I said, Ben, you get in a fight with those on, you'll just need to hire us again to defend you because you'll have another criminal charge. Right. <laughs> you, like, you don't, you don't want to do that. Right. I'm just, like, trying to make some kind of conversation. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then he goes, oh, no, no, worse than that. The edges are very, very sharp. They're like a weapon. He said, they're so sharp that when we were kids and you'd get one of those rings, we would hit the walls with the ring on and it would cut the sheetrock. It would literally put like a cut in the sheetrock where we'd hit it. And I was like, what? And he went on and on talking about how he and his friends would do that when they were kids. Mm-hmm. After they'd get their black belt ring. I mean, I swear, it felt like it went on for 20 minutes. I was just like, what is, mm-hmm. why is he, 
Like, who cares? Yeah. Like, yeah. He goes okay, on so and on. Why are we here? And I was just like, yeah. yeah. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, I wouldn't be doing that. You'll just be facing more charges. So I wouldn't be using those rings. I believe now that the reason for that story was to set me up mentally. But I didn't know it at the time. Okay. And then I said, you seem to be doing much better. Yeah. You're not crying. You seem, you were so distraught that day. And I was really worried about you. You right. seem better. Are you better? And he said, oh, I miss her so much. And then he starts talking about his sex life with her. And, and I was like, like mm, yeah, I, I. yeah, I was like, I really don't no, need to don't, know that. Nope. Don't care to. I'm just happy to hear that you're doing a little better. Like, right. good for you. That's great. They bring our food to us. Again, I eat all that that asparagus that he treated that waiter so Uh shitty about. Right. Never touched it. Never had a bite. Never had one bite of that asparagus that he demanded. Right. He may have had two bites of the fish he ordered. I don't even, like, I don't, he barely ate. Right. Right. I don't know if he was on something. He may have been on something. I do not know. But it stands but it was, to reason because they did do drugs together and right. he is struggling all year without her and yeah. going through, he's kind of like a showboat, kind of like, look at my rings, look how cool I am, but I'm still. Yep. So I'm just chalking it up to, hey, this is just another crazy client doing crazy stuff, whatever. Right. I'm glad you're doing better. We finished the conversation. Now it's gotten dark outside and we finish up and he keeps talking and talking and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm glad you're doing well. I got to get going. I've got court in the morning. Right. I got to go. We step outside the restaurant and he says, may I walk you to your car? Just for a second, my head was like, no one says, may I? We all say, can I? First of all, a gentleman says, can I? But this guy is such a gentleman. He even was using like proper English. I don't do that. Yeah. This is his second language. Like, wow. Impressive. And how nice so, because it's dark and you don't want to be out in the parking lot alone. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's nice because I ended up parking clear over in this other parking lot. He walks me to my car and it's behind those other restaurants. And Are you just visiting along? Like, no big deal? Yeah, just, just kind of talking. Okay. Like, yeah, he had been telling me part of what he was telling me at dinner and after dinner is how I have so many lawyers that work for me. I make so much money. I've got these businesses that are very successful. I knew the businesses. If I named them, everyone would know them. I knew he had a lot of business he was doing. And he was telling me, I'm getting this new franchise. And you can't believe I have so many lawyers that work for me. Okay, great. Good for you. Yes. I'm like, all right, whatever. So he walks me to my car. I give him a hug and say, thank you for dinner. I'm glad you're doing much better. I know you're not well, but I'm glad you're doing better. I'm glad to hear that. And then I turned around to open my door. Now, I'm not thinking at that that time. I'm not suspicious of anything. No, why would you be? Right. As I go to open the door, being a gentleman, pulls the door open. And as he did that, one of those rings fell off and we heard it land in my car. My car had black seats and black carpet. And my car was in the dark. There was like hardly a street light above where I was parked. So wait, you go to open the door. Mm-hmm. You I go start to open, to open the my door, door. And then he reaches over to open it for you to help. Yeah. And a ring yeah, to like help me open. Off, so they were way and too his, big. Yep. Apparently. Okay. At least one of them was. Right. And I hear it land and I said, oh, what was that? And he said, oh, one of my rings fell off. So I said, well, let me find it. So I bend over. I'm like looking all over but it's so dark black carpet black every i'm like ah and the car's pretty dark where i am sure and it was honestly the weirdest thing i've ever felt shelly it was like someone like just flipped a switch and there was like this wave of dark energy that came rushing at my back oh my gosh i'd be scared to death i've i've never felt anything like that in my life yeah and all of a sudden i was like scared I was instantly scared when I felt it mm-hmm. and I thought I'm really vulnerable here I'm bent over yeah. with my back yeah. to him uh-huh. so I immediately stood up turned around to face him so I'm face to face and I said I can't find your ring I will find it when I get home or tomorrow morning and then uh-huh. I'll just leave it at your business for you right and he doesn't give a crap about that he pins me against my car and starts starts groping me 
and oh my I, gosh. I start saying like I'm I'm thinking, okay now <laughs> growing up Mormon, most of the guys and I'm not saying date rape doesn't happen in our no, culture, uh-uh. it does. It mm-hmm. does. But the guys that I had dated would always be respectful of a line. Like, hey, here's my line. Like, no. stop. Mm-hmm. Stop yeah, back it. Off. Mm-hmm. So at first I'm like, oh no, no. Like he no, tried to kiss me. I, I turned, I turned my head because I'm thinking like, oh no, no, like, no, no. He like way totally misunderstood this thing. Like what? Right, right. And so I'm like, no, 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 no. And I'm trying to just be like kind, gently uh-huh. <laughs> let him down. He was having no part of it. No. I'm pinned against my car and he starts telling me like I am going to F you and I I'm I'm immediate I'm scared and I'm pushing him away and I'm trying to figure out I'm trying to figure out like okay how how hard do I fight him and it was like the harder that I pushed him away and I've never like I mean, I don't know this guy. I've never... T- like, his shoulders right. were just muscly. Just... Right. Ugh. And they were just taut. Just hard from pushing, like, trying to Holding hold me back. against the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like the harder that I pushed him away, the harder he pushed at me. Okay, stop and- for a second. I can't... This is a, a woman's biggest fear. And, and yeah. maybe some guys... You know, I, yeah. I think that date rape can go both ways. I also think in a gay community, it can go, uh, you know, yes. it can, I mean, with, yeah. with different partners. But I I can't imagine the fear. And then I would think, was your mind going like 500 miles an hour? Like, oh my gosh, someone come help. I don't know what to do. Yes. I need to do this. How did I get myself here? I know better. I mean, I bet your mind was just... Oh. A million miles an hour. And, yeah, miles an hour in different directions. And I'm thinking, okay, okay, I'm like, I, I can do this. I, I can fight this. I can fight this. But just the second that I had the notion to fight, right. and I was thinking. I'm going to be raped in a parking lot. Seriously. Right. He literally said, I'm going to, well, I'll, I'll get to yeah. that in a minute. And I'm thinking, okay, mate, what if I knee him in the balls? Right. Like. I see that in the movies. I'll knee him in the balls. He'll drop to the ground. Then I'll get in my car and leave. Right. But then I also had the thought, I've never done that before. What if I do it wrong? Can you do it wrong? Can you miss? And what if I try and I miss and all he does is get pissed off that I tried. And then he punches you in the face or knocks you out or, yeah. And remember, he's still got two rings on and he spent at least 20 minutes at dinner telling me how those rings cut. Right. Sheetrock. Well, my face isn't as tough as sheetrock. And I remember fighting him. I remember looking up. I saw the moon over above the building there was that I was parked like behind. And I had this thought like, I'm going to be raped. Yeah. And if I'm going to be raped, do I, do I fight like hell? While I'm being raped, and then I have scars on my face, and and like like this is how fast my mind's moving. Yeah, and I'm like, and I think, and every time I look in the mirror, I'll see these scars, and that the scars are going to remind me that I was raped. Right. Or do I just fight as hard as I can without pushing him that far that he hits me in the face? Right. And I chose. Okay, for now, I'm just going to try and. While I'm thinking through all this, I don't know how he did it, but while he had me pinned against the car, he actually unzipped his pants and pulled his penis out of his pants. Okay. And he said, I'm going to stick my penis in you. And then he was telling me, like, feel how hard I am. And I said, no, 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 I don't, I don't need to. I like, I really don't need to. Like, I'm truly trying to be calm and not escalate it. Right. I'm not sure that was the right move. I have no idea. I will second guess it for the rest of my life. And takes my hand and he's like forcing my hand down On to him. his penis. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to pull my hand away. I I was so shocked. Like, <laughs> this is why I don't think it's fair for men to be transgender and compete in women's sports. Because <laughs> I don't care how hard I work out. I don't care how many push-ups I do. 
And he sat on his butt just being depressed all the time. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. He was so much stronger than I was. Yeah, that testosterone. So much stronger. Yep, yep. And it was like the harder that I was fighting him, it was almost the like more the more excited he was. Yeah. And that's, wait, so did, that's typical in a rapist. I mean, I it don't is. Know if he's, yeah. It is. Okay. Yes. And so, yes, he did force my hand onto his penis. The second he moved his hand away, I was like, my hand was out mm-hmm. off of there. And then he was trying to reach up my shorts. Remember, I had suede shorts on. Thankfully, Thank I had heavens. suede shorts on. Not they a were skirt. thick. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly, because I'd worn a skirt in court that day. And oh my gosh! Thankfully, because of the skirt, he couldn't get the his shorts. penis like up in the there. shorts. Yeah. Right. He get he did get his fingers up in there for a second before, and then I was able to knock his hand out of there. But for just that moment, just that instant, he violated me. And it was like, with his, it was just his fingers, but I was like, like, it's just so distressing. And I'm trying to, I'm still having the debate. Can I do it? If I like knee him in the balls, what if I elbow him in the face? What if, like, there are all these things I could do. Can I do that without getting those rings to my face? It was mm-hmm. the scars mm-hmm. on my face that I was uh-huh. so terrified. I was afraid of rape, and second, a scar that would be visible to the world. Because then, and I'm, you know, your mind's going so fast, I think every time someone would see my face, they'd be like, oh, what happened to you? Oh, I was raped. Like, I didn't want to yeah. have to tell that. Right. And, that, and so, that whole, yeah. And while I'm doing all that, it's like, I'm like praying, like, please, like, God save me. Someone help me. Yeah. Help me. Yeah. Help me. And... Right then, two guys came out, two workers came out of the back of one of the restaurants that I was parked behind, and they were bringing garbage out to the dumpster, and they had their white kitchen clothes on, and I looked over at them like, help. Did you yell But help? I didn't, I didn't yell help. I, I didn't yell help. That became an issue later, but I did not yell help. I am not a screamer. I've worked on that for years since then. I I yell much more than I ever used to, but I didn't yell for help. I don't know for the life of me why I didn't. I was terrified. And when I looked over at them, he looked over to see what I was looking at. And then he realized there were a couple men there, and remember, he'd taken his penis out, and he did not want to be seen with have his penis be seen out of his pants. So he turned his body so that he could zip up, zip up. And when he turned his body, he lost his leverage on me. And I jumped in my car, slammed the door, started my car up and got out of there. And I called my mom on my way home. My mom never goes to bed early. And she was in bed. I woke her up and I was so distraught. And my mom said, oh, hey, how did your dinner go? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like, I can't tell my mom this story. No, no, She will not sleep all night. No, 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 no. So I said, "Uh, you know what, mom, just go back to sleep. And she said, well, no, it's okay. How, like a mom does. Yeah. uh No, how was it? And I said, he's just crazy, mom. He's just a crazy guy. Go back to sleep. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I got home. Mind you, I only live like a half a mile from there, maybe three quarters. I get home. I walk into my home in my house. I live alone, and my cat comes running to me, and she's white. And I just drop to the floor and just just start bawling. Oh, I can't. I don't know how you even had the, the wherewithal to get yourself home. Like, you know, they say muscle memory. But yeah. in, in what just happened with you, the shock of your life, the horror, the terror, to even get a, a half a mile, I don't care how far it is, that you even got home right. safe. Oh, my right. gosh. This is horrifying. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. And my cat is white. My, she, And I didn't want to touch her because I felt so dirty. Oh. And... So I went and washed my hands and came back and just laid on the floor by her and just bawled. I bet you did. 
and I was terrified that it, what if he followed me home? And while I'm sitting there next to her, holding her, he called me. Called my cell phone. Now this is so long ago, 18 years ago, we didn't have text messages. So he didn't leave a text. None of these are text messages. This whole case is voice messages. And uh, he left a message and said, This is horrifying. Ah. <laughs> uh, so here's the exact message. I transcribed every message that he left me. I won't read them all in the episode, but... So he says, Hi, Pamela. Uh, Hi, Ollie here. Pamela? After yeah. all of this? Yeah. Oh, my God. And he says, uh, I kind of am embarrassed. Uh, I'm I'm sorry if I... Uh, oh, um, I'll talk to you later. I hope you get home all right. Bye. And holy hell, it's that like, dude, never call me again. Like back then, I don't think we could block calls 18 years ago. Yeah, I don't know. But I was crying, and I called a lawyer friend of mine who had that night. Yeah, good because I I needed to talk to someone. Yeah, and I called him and. Why didn't you call just, the police? Can I ask? Ah, uh, great question. <laughs> uh, like most sexual assault victims. Embarrassed. Embarrassed, ashamed. And you got to compound this one. I defended this guy. I was his criminal investigator oh, for the biggest damn defense lawyer in the state. Right. If I call the police, like they're going to be like, what? what? Like, oh, you guys get people off all, out of charges all the time. Now you want our help? I could just oh, hear them wow. like, wow. Yeah. So, huh. so I just thought, man, I'm just going to go to bed. And, but before no. I went to bed, I locked my door, deadbolt my door. I put a chair under the doorknob yep. and I put a pan on the chair with keys in the pan just in case. Because remember, I had seen where he broke in the door. Right. Of right. Stephanie's place. Right. And I get my gun. I put the clip in my gun. Mm-hmm. Had it ready. Everything but mm-hmm. the safety was on. Mm-hmm. And I had that by my bed. The next morning, I woke up. I remember looking in the mirror. I had always thought, like, I could never survive rape. And I woke up and looked in the mirror. And I was like, wow. I wasn't technically raped, but I was sexually assaulted. And here I am. Like, and you're alive. And I'm you alive. Survived. And I survived. And wow, I do not want to tell the world about this. I just want to never hear from him again. Like, I'll just go on with my life and I'll be careful. I never want to speak of any nothing again. Right. But when did you call the attorney? Did you call him the night it happened or the next day? And not Jack. I called my attorney no, no. friend yeah. the night it happened. And okay. I just told him like, hey... He this is started what bawling. I'm like, hey, he he assaulted me. I didn't tell him all the details because I was I was so ashamed. Right. Uh, you I feel mean, like it's so you've done stupid. something wrong. No. Yeah. But it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, but not only that, I think you second guess. So people, women, men, listen to this. Yeah. You feel like you know better. You should yep. never have been in that situation. Like. Yeah. I've been trained for this. I know this. How did I get here? Exactly. How did this what, happen to me? To How did this happen because to me? It, I'm like the badass PI. Like, what? Like, right, this didn't happen right. to me. Like, it's on so many. And then you feel violated. And then all this stuff. And then I think. Yeah. I, the repeat of how in the hell did I get here? Like, I'm highly educated. I know better. I'm street smart. You can name all these things. How did I get yeah. here? Right. Right. Oh my gosh, I'm exactly. so sorry. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the next day I went to lunch with my lawyer friend, Rich. I told him a, just a little more, not everything. I was never going to tell everyone everything, which I just told the whole world. <laughs> I was never going to do that to any right. tell anyone. And, and I said, hey, I just want this to just go away. And Ali started calling my phone and leaving oh, messages. He was not going to let up. No. Wow. Nope. 
Nope. That was Thursday night it happened. By Saturday, I had to tell my family something was up. Like, I was really, really, really not doing well. Yeah, I'm sure you were a wreck. Yeah. And so I told my family, hey, I was sexually assaulted by a client of mine. I just hope he goes away. I'm not, like, the case is done. I don't have to work with him. I don't, like, I don't want to go to the police. I'm just going to deal with this. Like, I just want it done. And, and they wanted me to go to the police, but I was like, no, 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 I can't. I'm like the investigator to the biggest defense lawyer in the state. They'll just laugh at me like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I told them, but here's the deal. I am now very scared. I don't think he knows where I live, but he has a lot of money and you can hire people to learn a lot of things like me. They can hire. <laughs> so, um, no, serious. Yeah. Seriously. So I was scared. So I said, look, and they had keys to my house. And I said, I know you all have keys, but here's the deal. No one can come to my house without giving me a heads up first. Right. If you're coming to my house, you have to tell me because if anyone comes in my house without me knowing, you will be shot. That is my fair warning to you. Like, I will fire first and then (laughs) I'm going to ask who you are. (laughs) So do not. You're scared for your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sleeping with the gun by my bed and he starts leaving all these messages calling. I never answered the phone to speak with him again. He keeps calling and calling. He's leaving messages and, and he would apologize for like one minute. And then he'd ask like, I'm really sorry. Please call me. I don't understand what happened. Please call me. And then one message he leaves me. He says, I had a beautiful time. And a minute later, it's like an explosion. Like what happened? Why don't you meet me somewhere and slap me instead of treat me like this? This is not fair. I mean, the least you can do is call me some names, throw something at me, tell me something that I've done wrong. I'm game. I'm a big boy. Wow. I mean, this is all within like 24 hours, 36 hours. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. By Monday, the calls were becoming more and more intolerable. I couldn't take it. I went on a run. He leaves another message. He says, you owe it to me to talk to me. I can't believe this. I mean, Pam, you're not going to do much better. So pull your head out of your ass. Rip me up. Tell me what an effer I am. At the same time, give me an opportunity to talk to you. Do it now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So the calls were really starting to scare me more and more and more. Getting more and more aggressive. Yes. And I'm not answering the call. Like, he, this is no, him just no. mm-hmm. working himself into a frenzy. So by Tuesday, the next Tuesday morning, the phone kept ringing. It was, I swear it was ringing like every 15 minutes, my cell phone. And I, I can't handle this. I got to go on a run. And I put my running shoes on. I took off and I come back. And his frustration was escalating, obviously. And he's becoming more and more frustrated and more threatening to me. When I get back from my run, the message that he left for me is this. I'm so sick and tired of this answering machine. You know, you're no spring chicken. Are you going to do better than me? And that was one message. And I don't respond. I don't respond. And then he leaves. His next message was, now these came while I was on my run. His next message was, Pamela. I want you to call me back in the next five minutes. Pamela, bite the bullet and call me. I haven't gone to work for the last few days. I need to have a life. I need to go to work. I need you to come above your petty bullshit. I want you to call me. Whatever you want to tell me. He has lost it. Oh, he lost it. He says, whatever you want to tell me, but do it, Pam. Come on, you gorgeous effing bitch. Call me. Oh my gosh, Pam. And by that time, like when he gave you me have five to do minutes, I to had to do something. Yeah. I was like, okay, I got to go to the police. 18 years later, right? Uh-huh. Years, when you look back, right? And not, not reliving at all, do you wish mm-hmm. that you would have done something quicker? I do, but I don't know that it would have changed anything. Okay. Just curious. Okay. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah. So. I call the police. They send an officer over. They have an officer come to my house and talk. I'm like really embarrassed to even tell this story. I was truly known around (laughs) 
the in the criminal world as being a total badass myself and it was so beyond embarrassing that I was in this spot that I wasn't I was embarrassed that I wasn't strong enough to fight him off. I know that sounds so stupid now, but that's how I felt. Right. And and again, how did you get here? You know what I mean? Right. That plays in your mind. How did I get oh, here? Oh, it does. Right. It totally does. So I meet with the detective in the crime division, sex crime division, and he believed me, thankfully, <laughs> because that's an issue. That's you, you got to get yes, past that, right? Yeah. And I had I had those voice messages, and I played them for him. And I am sure anyone that heard him playing those would have been terrified. Yes, it was scary. Yes, yeah. And so the detective says, "Okay, we're going to file charges. So here's what we're going to do: we do a pretext call with them. So." First, you call him and talk to him and see if you can get him to confess. And we'll record it. And then after that, really? then, uh-huh. And then after that, then I will call him and say, you're okay, a I'm a detective with the police department and you're going to be charged with this and this and this. So I do that. So are you, wait, are, okay, so set this up. So you're now at the police precinct because they had you come yep. in. And are yes. you using your, you're going to have to use your phone. Is it on speaker with an officer right there with a detective? Yes. Okay. And are they kind of telling you, helping you know what to say? Are they saying, just go. Ready, set, dial, go. Um, like, how are they we, setting that up? We talked a little bit about it. He was just like, see if you can get him. Like, if you just talk about, hey, when you did this to me, this upset me. When you did this to me, I, I was saying mm-hmm. no when you did. And so I did. I called him and we were recording it. And I said, hey, Ali. And he was like so happy that I called him back. Now it's like, by then it's Wednesday. It's nearly a week since yeah. the, the assault. And so he's just excited that I'm calling. And he's like, you're finally calling me. And I'm like, hey, Ali, what you did was wrong. You told me you were suicidal. So I agree to meet you, to help you. And then you sexually assault me. And he's like, what? No, no, you wanted that. And I said, (gasps) what? Are you kidding me? I said, no, at least a hundred times, Ali. Like you had me pushed against my car. I was right in your ear telling you, no, 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 please, no. There's no way that you thought that I wanted that. There's no way. Right. And he said, this is a quote. He says, if I really did that and you tell me, Ali, you really did that. And And then I respond and say, you really did that. Then he responds, the last thing that's going to be in my mind is I raped a girl. Are you happy? <gasps> He's dumping this all back on you. Yeah. Oh. And I said, yeah. And he said, because I do think that. And I said, okay, thank you, Ali. And he said, no, don't thank me. What the hell are you thanking me for? For violating you? And I respond and say, for accepting responsibility for it. And he says... No, I don't accept responsibility for it. I don't. It's over with. I shouldn't have done it. And I said, no, you shouldn't have. And then we ended the call. Holy cow. In my mind, I'm like, holy hell. Right, right. We knocked it out of the park. I mean, he said, I raped a girl. Are you happy? Like, oh, the guy admitted it. How does it get any better than that, right? So then we have to follow that up with, the detective calling and saying I'm the detective from Salt Lake Police Department and Pamela's right here next to me and we were actually setting that call up and you know the whole deal so he calls him and Ali like admits yes what you're saying is true then yeah I, I violated her and I am sorry I shouldn't have done that and he admits all that they hang up the detective goes to play the recording do not tell Nothing. me it did not record. Not a chance. No. Yeah. No. It, he, no. He didn't. No. Yeah. It didn't record. So he's like, well, I'm going to have to call him again. So he had to call him back again. And the second time he calls Ali, are you kidding? Ali knows the police are after him now. So this time he's not going to admit to anything. Right. So here's how the system works. So the reason I wanted to do this episode is for one thing to acknowledge there's no one above being a victim to something first. And second, to let people know how the system really works. 
because when I was a defense person forever, what I learned is I thought as a defense person, the victim, everything is supportive of the victim. Everything works in their favor. They, but let me tell you what, it is a lose, lose deal. It is not, it's not what I thought it was. I saw the system now from this side of things. So here's how it goes. So after you file a complaint with the police and if they believe it, when that first officer came to my house to interview me, he actually took my shorts and my shirt and my jacket. They took it into evidence. And I was like, no, like there, yeah, there might be DNA. There will be from him on it, but he's not denying that his defense became that it was consensual. So the DNA didn't even matter. Matter. Okay. So they took that into evidence. What they do. So the detectives of the sex crime unit takes it to the DA's office and they screen it. And when I say they screen it, they meet with a bunch of lawyers that are part of the sex assault team. Okay. And he gives the facts of the case. They listen to it. And then they all say, yeah, we think we got a case and we should charge this and this and this. File the charges and then go arrest him. So when they were screening it, I never did hear that it was like, what I heard from the detective, I'm going to be screening it. Then I got a call from one of my good friends from high school who was a, a prosecutor at the DA's office. Okay. Trish Parkinson. And Trish, oh man, it was so cool. Um, Trish, she was in the sex crime unit. She's one of the lawyers they were screening it to. She called and told me this. She said, there was this big debate with your case. He already started saying that it was consensual like yeah i did it but she wanted it she consented we went to dinner then right we just did this after the the lawyers were going back and forth do we even have a case i don't think we have a case i think we do and trisha spoke up for me and said i know her she's a friend of mine and what i know is if pamela said that this happened i know it happened and i personally We'll prosecute that man. Oh my gosh, Pam. <laughs> it was like the coolest thing. Like, because... Right. But not everyone has me. someone, yeah, to stand in their corner. Exactly. Wow. And if I hadn't she had is a that... Hero. She, yeah. she was... She is such a hero to me. Uh-huh. And so he they charged him with two second-degree felonies for sex assault. And they charged him with lewdness for taking his penis out. They should have charged him with many, many counts of stalking. They did not mm-hmm. for the phone calls. And here's what's really, really crazy. They did charge him with one count of telephone harassment. Like, what? That's ah, random. Are you kidding? Like, one? like how many messages yeah. did you leave? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's so, yeah. so many. Right. And here's what was really cool. So Trish Parkinson's my friend. She says she'll prosecute him. And... One of the other lawyers that I had actually gone up against on the Wicked Stepmother case that we did. Right. Mm -hmm. Paul was the prosecutor on that case. Paul was sitting in on the screening. And Paul said, Trish, you can't do that. You're too close to that. That's your friend. So I will prosecute it for her. Wow. I was just like, wow, thank you. Thank you, Paul. And... Mm -hmm. So remember how I've told all of you, the system works differently for people that have money. Right. Ali had money, obviously, all the businesses, the suits, the lawyers, everything. Right. right. So when you have money and you're getting charged, they worked it out so he could surrender. Meaning they never went out, threw him up against the wall, handcuffed him, threw him in the back of a squad car, took him down to jail and booked him yeah. in. Nope. It's not like that. It's like... He gets Comes a nice ride. He, he, yep. And they mm-hmm. go and say, we're here to surrender. And they do fingerprints. Right, and right. Mug shot. And like, okay, now you're free to go. So that's, so he was free. And we start going along. His lawyer was named Jim. Because you couldn't go back to Jack, right? Oh, conflict. Yeah. So what is Jack thinking? Is Jack made aware of all that's going on? And he knows everything that's going on with you? I (laughs) remember how Jack handled it when I said that she had died. Right. And he's like, what do you want me to do about it? Mm -hmm. So (laughs) needless to say, I didn't feel safe to be like, oh, Jack, guess what happened to me? Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to tell Jack. I didn't want to tell Jack. And I knew 
that the second that I went to the police, this was going to just spread like wildfire through the DA's office and back, sure. to, back mm-hmm. to Jack. Sure. And of course, Jack must have heard about it, but Jack doesn't have a lot of emotional skills with dealing with a lot of high emotions other than Mm -hmm. anger. So Jack had Gary call me and Gary's another investigator. I've talked about him before. We did some cases Mm -hmm. together. I love Gary. Really sweet Mm -hmm. guy. Tough PI, but a sweet guy. And Gary called me and said, Hey, uh, Jack wanted me to give you a call. We heard what happened. And I just started crying. I'm like, ah, I'm really embarrassed. And mm-hmm. and he said, well, you know, Jack wants to talk to you. Can you come in? And I said, sure, I'll come in and talk. So I go in and Jack closed his door, which he rarely did with me because he's afraid someone would think we we're kissing. So I don't know right, what he's doing. Right, right. It's something so, inappropriate. Yeah, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. He but he closed the door. Right. And I started crying, telling him that I was embarrassed. And Jack was really cool. And he said, hey, he's a crazy asshole. This isn't your fault. Don't worry about it. And then he went on to explain the situation. You know, because because you've been assaulted, I can't have you working on any of my sex assault cases. And Jack was just getting ready to take a sabbatical for three months. So basically what happened was, I actually was already kind of stressed about money at the time that this assault happened. And then Jack informs me, I'm not going to give you any more sex cases. And usually when he'd go on sabbatical, he'd just give me a pile of work. Here are a bunch of cases, investigate all these and have them done when I get back. Essentially what happened is he gave me no work. Well, he does more than sex work. He does murders. He does a lot of stuff. Exactly. And I don't know if he just decided emotionally I couldn't handle it at the time or what. But I had nothing. Oh my gosh. So I have no work coming uh, in. Now I'm worried about money. I'm worried like, and I'm so depressed mm-hmm. and I keep getting phone calls for it. They stopped for a few weeks because the cop t- told Ollie that he couldn't call me anymore. He kept that for like two weeks and then he started calling me again. You're kidding. No, he leaves another message and he says, Pamela, you got five minutes. You're either going to call me. And I think... I think he was drunk on this call, or high on narcotics, something. He says, you're either going to call me and we're going to establish something between you and I long term, or we are through. <gasps> and then he went on. I know. I'm like, what? And he's like, he went on and on about, he's like, don't blow it. Just call me. Call me. And then he's like, F it, Steph. And then he's like, Steph? What am I saying? Steph. And then he's like, you're my Steph. You're my Susie, which was his first wife. And he's like, you are my Pamela. And he says, F you. Strap on some effing balls. Throw all your ego shit away. Oh my Forgive gosh. me for all the wrong. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, it, the calls were terrifying. That's why I was mad that they didn't charge him with stalking right. harassment. Right. Like right. one... Oh, man. It makes you wonder how he treated Stephanie then. Is oh, that exactly. what pushed her to the drug? Is that what pushed her to charges because he broke her door down because she couldn't get away from him? Like, right. And then he's been this thing she couldn't live without him. That's crazy. He's crazy. It is so crazy. Oh, he is crazy. So here's another message he left. And these are all after he's been charged criminally and he's supposed to stay away from me. Then he leaves another message. Here it is. You know, you stupid ass. I'm the best thing that ever happened to you. Don't blow it. Don't blow it. Wow. And then he calls later that night and he says, bull effing shit. Call me. I'm tired. I've been taking so goddamn many pills and vodka just to numb me out. If you don't want me to do it, just call me one way or another. Just call me. Are you looking to become a beauty effing queen somewhere, or do you want to just settle to be mine? He is crazy. Another phone call. Turn your effing phone on. I'm going crazy here. You made me feel guilty. You made me feel dirty. You made me feel unhuman. Don't take the cowardly way out. Answer the goddamn phone. Oh my gosh, Pam. Then another phone call. Pamela, please call me. I'm going crazy, Pamela. Pamela, I've been through too much. I don't need this. It's just tearing me, tearing my soul into pieces. You cannot, you cannot do this to me. I know you're kind. 
I, I, I want to have you as my last contact when I no longer exist. Oh my gosh. I know, I know. He's like, and he's like, you're kind. I just want you to hold me. And then, like, we've never spoken again. This is all just, like, in his head. Yeah, in his head. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know if you have kids or not. I'm like, what? No, you don't know if I have kids or not. You don't know anything about me. We are not friends. Yeah. Like, that's, like, one of the most basic things you know about a person, right? I'm like, yeah, did you ever think about that? Like, you don't know. sir. Because. you don't know me other than Pamela. Yeah. How did this end up? His lawyers started investigating me like crazy. They subpoenaed my phone records. They subpoenaed everything about me. Oh my gosh. Like, and my world pretty much collapsed. I talked about like going through the process of how I started to get my life back in Mm -hmm. our life lesson episode, which I can't remember the episode number, but in that episode, you you can Mm -hmm. listen to that and hear how I started trying to get out of depression. But at the time, I was actually seeing two counselors. One of them was provided to me by the state, which Mm -hmm. is a good thing. The other one Uh was not. Because I thought, hey, if one's good, two's better. Like, let's roll. Like, I was so depressed, I wanted to die. If I could have flipped a switch and stopped breathing without hurting people that I love, I would have done it in a second. But I couldn't. And the only break that I ever had from depression was going on a run. And then I'd get those endorphins, I guess. And then I'd feel better for like an hour, maybe two hours. And then my head would go back into thinking like, oh my gosh, like I'm just going to be depressed for the rest of my life. This ruined my life. And I, my thoughts were horrible. I remember there was a grouchy lady in my building and I always wondered. And then I thought maybe something like this happened to her and made her grouchy. And now I'm always going to be grouchy. Like, Or maybe she was just bitchy and you're not. Right. (laughs) Or maybe. But I I really thought, like, Mm -hmm. I truly thought, like, maybe the homeless people that you see on the streets, like, that are nuts, they went, like, something like this happened. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe I'll never get back. And Mm -hmm. uh, I was just really beside myself. It took uh, the counselor. I was like, please push me. I want to get through this. Right. And and eventually I stopped seeing one of the counselors because they're not really helping me help my fi- find my way out right. please listen to life lessons and i because i, I kind of go through the steps of what i went through i don't want to bore anyone with it now but if you want to learn listen to that episode or even reach mm-hmm. out to me and i'll i'll share some stuff but i made it through and but after i mean our system it takes a long long right. time to get through too the criminal long. system too long to way make too decisions. long yeah. remember the lawyer friend that i called rich right mm-hmm because he had been the first person that I called, he had given a statement to the police and so had my mom to corroborate my story. Right. Right. So in the discovery, when his new lawyer, Jim sees that Rich was a witness, he's like, Oh, he's a lawyer. I'm going to reach out to him. So he reaches out to Rich and he says, Hey, look, how much will this cost? What's it going to take to get this case to go away? And Rich is like, I don't know really what you're talking about. I don't think Pamela's going to go away. This is not what it's about. Bottom line, he offers $25,000 to get me to drop the charges. Oh, my gosh. And Rich yeah. tells him, nope, no, Pamela's not going to do that. That's not who she is. You have to know, I was, like, I would go on a run, and I would run, of course, like, by my house. And I started thinking, I'm still sleeping with a gun by my bed. Loaded, ready just to f- hit the safety and shoot. I'm going on my runs and I start thinking every guy I pass, like, oh my gosh. Him. Is it him? Is this mm-hmm. someone that he hired to right. kill me? Mm-hmm. And I would go running up like City Creek Canyon. I remember one time running and some guy was riding a bike that passed me and he said something. It had really dark energy to it. I couldn't make out what he'd said. Mm-hmm. It scared me so bad, I sprinted all the way home. I bet you did. Because I kept thinking, like, I have clients. I've had, ca- I have cases where people will kill for much less than sure. that. If he's willing to pay me 25000 to make it go away, I'm sure he could find some thug to pay him five grand to just take me Beat out. Beat you up. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. And this happens all the time. So I was scared. Everywhere I looked, everywhere I went, I was, I was really scared. 
Sorry, but I'm going to have to cut it here. You have got to listen to the shocking conclusion of this one. You will not believe how this case ends. I couldn't believe it. I've never seen a case end like this before my case happened or after. I've never seen anything like it. So check it out. Thank you for listening to Pamela Private Eye. Thank you.